My name is uh, Joel Bennett. I am from Sydney, Australia. I was told that we should have subtitles up the back later on. Sorry, we probably won't. Apparently, I do speak a form of English, just not one that most Americans understand. Uh, and my wife told me these pants were cool. <laughs> For some reason, everywhere I go, Pastor Wayne, they, people laugh at me with these pants. Yeah, see, thank you. Uh, see, I'm just following after a man of God. But I, I just want to honor Pastor Wayne and Sharon Blackburn. 50 years of ministry this year is phenomenal. I am. Um, Right. And then on top of that marriage, like, can you just pastor me out the back for like 15, 20 minutes just to get a little bit of what you've, yeah, because I need some of that right now. I've been married for 15 years just to the one wife. That's all I need. Um, she's, she's doing well. She's a good woman. She's at home with our, back in the hotel, my, my eldest son decided to take sick on Friday with a migraine. And we know when you go to Disney World and the kid has a migraine, you just make them push through. Um, any, pa- any, any dads out there? <laughs> like, and so I made him go on the rock and roller coaster with the migraine. Um, some of the grandparents are in here looking at me going, this guy is preaching tonight. <laughs> it's true, I am. I, um, tonight I want to speak about making a mark. There's a, this gentleman in the Bible from the called David, and I want to take some lessons from David and try and translate them to where young people this year, as you go into high school, as you go into your, your, your next grade in school, that you can leave a mark like never before. I believe we look at David and we want to understand that he was a man after God's own heart, but before he was a man after God's own heart, he was found some places that we probably have to learn from. Because So this year, I want to help you go into all the world and make disciples around you. And that's going to take some effort. And parents, just so you know, you're not off the hook either. (laughs) For them to be able to make a mark, it's going to take a parent to help make a mark. Don't spank them. I mean, I want you to make a mark on their lives for positivity. I believe church is to be enjoyed, not endured tonight. Just so you know, that's kind of where I come from. I think that when Jesus saved me from where I came from, boy, I I needed to have a good laugh. So tonight, I I expect that we can have some fun. We can go there. You can say, "Uh uh-huh. You can say, Amen. Can say, write it, white boy, I don't mind. I don't even, I can't hear you, so Aiden, it's good to see you. Just so you know, he asked me to say that before I started. If you could, if you go to your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel 16. A few years ago, when I went on my um, honeymoon with my wife, we went to a place called Bali. Bali, Indonesia, it's a beautiful place. Actually, it's so beautiful that you only have to go there once to understand how stunning it is. And we went, and the first day of our honeymoon, I did what every good young man should do on their honeymoon. I went and got sunburnt. That that was the best move. I went to sleep on the beach. My wife didn't wake me up because we were newly married, and she just thought I needed a nap, and so she left me there. Day one started off really well. Day two, we went to dinner the first night, went to a seafood restaurant. You can all see where this is going. Um, seafood in a third world country didn't really, um, didn't go down too well. Uh, and my body had some reactions to the, the fish we'd had. So now I'm sunburnt, looking like the lobster I ate. Whilst I spent some moments with Jesus in the restroom for about seven to ten hours. Yeah, my honeymoon was amazing. Like, it was phenomenal. Like, 
It's supposed to be the best holiday of your life, right? And then the third day came and my wife said, we should go to the monkey temple. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but if a monkey has a temple, something's wrong. (laughs) True, right? And so I I said, I'm sunburned. I have some bodily issues. Now we're going to a monkey temple. So we got in the car, actually it was called a tuk-tuk, and the guy went so fast, and i am still got some issues with my stomach, not feeling great, sunburnt, flying through the countryside of Indonesia. We get to Ubud Monkey Temple, I'm wearing flip-flops. I've changed the word, in Australia they are called something else. I don't know if we can use that word in church, so I won't. They're flip-flops, and I'm walking down through the jungle in flip-flops with my wife. We go up the top of a, of a hill and up the staircase they had a gold handle rail and a little space for something to sit and I stood there and it was almost like a moment out of Jumanji. <laughs> and it was so amazing, there was, it kind of was looking like New York, like there was people punching each other, people biting each other, actually monkeys biting each other, there was everything going on and then all of a sudden this little whistle went Now that whistle kind of shocked me because it was the time, it was feeding time. Now feeding time meant that all of a sudden all the monkeys stopped doing what they did, mid-punch, mid-bite, and stopped and looked and went, hmm, food, and took off. Now it legitimately was like a, a, a whole host of monkeys running at me. I'm like, oh dear Jesus, take me now. My wife is laughing, and then she hands me this Kodak, remember those little Kodak cameras with the the windy thing that your thumb was like a razor sharp and you're bleeding by the end of it trying to take a photo. (laughs) My wife is a professional photographer and she hands me the camera. And so this one monkey, there was a can of Coke on the sidewalk on the way down and all of a sudden she sees it, there's a gathering of people around and said, Joel, get the photo. I'm sunburnt, got some issues, take the photo. Now, I'm not graceful like a flamingo. I'm more graceful like an elephant when I'm in moments. Like, I have the same chair in my house for the last 10 years. I've kicked every day. So I'm, I'm not really the, the, the best to do something graceful. If you want something slammed, smashed, hammered, that's me. And so I, I get the camera. Because by now, I'm already in, in stitches that I'm in trouble with her. So I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> blood. And all of a sudden, there was one little gap, and I'm like, I'm going to take the gap for this woman because she deserves the best photo of a drinking monkey. Every husband's like, I'll do the same thing for my wife. So as I walked in, as graceful as I could, I went in, put my foot down. As I looked down, there was a little monkey. And that little monkey had a very long tail, and that very long tail was under my foot. And that little monkey made one noise and one noise only that the whole jungle heard. I'm sunburnt, I've got some issues, and now I've trod on a monkey. I felt like that. And the only thing I wanted to do was get the photo of the monkey drinking the Coke. I took the photo, I backed away, and all of a sudden that monkey comes with a whole lot of other monkeys. That little monkey had mama monkey. 
And out of sight, all of a sudden, through the jungle came Mama Monkey. Behind Mama Monkey was Uncle Monkey, Daddy Monkey, Christopher. Like, there was a lot of different monkeys. And I'm backing away saying, nice monkey, didn't mean to hurt you, monkey. We're okay, monkey. And all of a sudden, me and my flip-flops hit the mud. I'm now in the air going, I love monkeys. <laughs> Laying on my back. And all I wanted to do was get a photo of a monkey. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about tonight? I actually don't know. <laughs> I'm just joking. The truth is, I want to talk about the photo I took. The photo I took was actually perfect. But we didn't get to see the photo. Just so you know, young people, we didn't have instantaneous cameras back then. I know, I'm old. That camera we had to take to a, a little guy to develop the film. And the film went in and we saw, had 10, 20 photos that were terrible. But then there was one photo of a monkey that was perfectly developed. And see, I, I left my mark that day in Bali in Ubud. So much so that I've never been back. <laughs> But the photo I took was so, so quick, so sharp, that in an instant you can make a mark. In any one second you can make a mark. This year, young person, this year, parents, you can help your student make an impact on their school. You can help them make their mark purely and simply by supporting, pushing them, and prodding them into the things of God. Because I believe as we put God first in our year, everything else will follow. Tonight I want to look at David's life. In 1 Samuel 16, it's this story where David, David is now found in the field and there is a whole lot of young people in his family. And so Samuel, for sake of time, I'm going to just tell you the story. Samuel rocks up and says, hey, let's have a party, get all your sons. But they forget David. David's in the field. Samuel gets all the brothers, they line up and, they, and he goes through them. No, 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 no. Have you got any other sons? They go and find David. They bring David up, and that David's the one they anoint with oil. All of a sudden, now David is now marked for kingship. Do you understand that every one of you, when you found Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been marked for kingship. You've been marked for greatness. You've been marked for success. The, the, the problem that I've got is that we stop putting Jesus as number one, and we start putting all these things that get in our way. Tonight, I want to help you and help us get to where God has called us to be this year by making a mark. If I can give you a few points, and if you're a young person, you can pull out your device. If you're of a previous generation, pull out your notepad. And we all know that if you take notes, you'll get to heaven quicker. Aiden, there will be... It's good. You got it out. Because when you get to the pearly gates, Peter's going to ask you, what did Joel speak about? Number one is you need to be found in the field. See, David wasn't found hanging around the house. David wasn't found doing what everyone else was doing. David was found in the field. Now, every single person in this room has a type of field per se. Everyone needs to understand that their field is very different than someone else's field. Your field is not what I'm going to be looking at, and my field is not what you should be looking at. You should actually have your own. 1 Samuel 16, 16 talks about where David was found. See, the negative, when it's exposed to a light, it develops perfect pictures. You have to understand this year, young person, you're going to have some negatives come at you. But if you expose it to the sun, to the light of God, in those moments, I can 
literally start to tell you that Jesus will start to develop you to become a, a, a mature Christian, it says in James 1, 2 and 4. How are you going to develop this year? Because this year, as you decide to step forward in your school, as you decide to be the young person that's going to make the mark, let me tell you that there's going to be some negative things come at you. I don't know about you. I look at David's life when he was in the field. I don't know if he saw the lion as really something that was positive, but he dealt with it. I don't know if the bear was really going to be a positive for him, but he dealt with it. Just like he, he, the sheep weren't always the best part of his day, but he dealt with them. But can I tell you, don't be found in someone else's field t- taking care of their sheep. Take care of what God's given you. Take care of your study this year. Take care of what God's put in your place. Because if you start doing what you've been called to do, so you've got to learn to lead in your field. The one thing I've worked out is that, that's, that, that little genuine, genuine, genuine is really interesting how they went to go off but came back. David stayed in his field when it was time to stay. He didn't try and go tend someone else's sheep. He didn't try and get out of it prematurely. He stayed. And when he was called for in the time of battle, he went. But actually, he was always willing to stay. In your field this year, you've got to be willing to do the time. What are you going to do in your field? How are you going to, what is it that you're going to read? Is it the Word of God? What about your worship life? In, in worship is where you start to, in the field is where worship starts to come alive. See, David was, after he was anointed, he went and says he was sent back to the field. And in the field, he was playing the harp and the lyre. And as I was sitting down here just for a moment, I started reading my scripture. And it said, this, this moment, it says, and then Saul called for David. He perfected how to play his harp and his lyre in the field. He was ready for when greatness called. Young person, will you be ready for when greatness calls. Parents, how will we respond to our students' greatness? Will we be pushing them back into the field and encouraging them to get in their field and get themselves studied and get themselves prayed up and get themselves excited about who Jesus is? Because let me tell you, if we don't push them to Jesus, they're going to start focusing on someone else's field. See, your field won't be glamorous. In fact, it may be a little smelly. But let me tell you, in that moment is when greatness starts to come about. The field breeds significant people. See, in the field, you learn the art of the fight. And favor finds those who are found in their field. Your Bible will be your sword this year. Your prayer life will be learning how to use your slingshot. And your worship will be powerful beyond. Don't get sidetracked and too excited for the fight that we won't spend time honing our skills in the field. See, it says in Philippians 4, 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What you do in private will be seen in public. Young person, what you do in your field will be seen in public. So you need to be found in your field. Don't get caught up trying to make your, your, yourself in the fight before it's time to fight. Because let me tell you, young person, don't fight too, don't, don't, don't fight too soon. And, old, and if you're uh, their parents or their, your, their grandparents, don't force them to fight yet. Let them be kids. Let them be found in their field. Because as they settle in their field and get significance in their field, they'll start to learn how to fight in their timing that God will give them. And so tonight... 
See, once we've been caught in our field and we're, we're studied and ready to go, once you've been caught by this, this God, in the, you'll be pushed into the fight. Number two, if you've been if you are found in your field, you'll end up being found in the fight. So you have to look at the, this David character and go, man, David was ready to fight at all times. I wonder whether he was. I wonder whether David really wanted to fight because it says that he kept going back to the field. He kept going back there because at 13 years old, he was, wasn't ready for the fight. And then his dad called him in 1 Samuel 17. And I'll tell you why you don't want to get ready for the fight too early. Because once you start fighting, you've got to keep fighting for the rest of your life. And you're like, oh, that's so positive, Joel. Thank you. If you look at the Word of God, Samuel, David from 1 Samuel 17 all the way through to chapter 31, which was roughly about 7 to 10 years, he fought kings upon kings upon enemies upon enemies. He was found in caves and in all these bad places because he had... My question is tonight, are you ready for that fight? So you will understand that your new battles will arise if you've been through your field and you've got time in your field. If you've got time with Jesus... You'll be prepared for the fight. See, if you, don't, if you don't confront it, you can't conquer it. This year, young people, we need to confront some things to conquer them. This year, if we want to step out for Jesus, we need to confront the enemy of, 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 of fear. We need to confront it with our faith. We need to confront it with our boldness. We need to confront it with our ability to see Jesus in through it all. This year, I believe that you've got the ability to make a difference just by saying the name of Jesus that you've learnt in your field. Because your fight is not of earthly fire. It's not carnal, but it's spiritual. This year, as you go into the year, don't try and fight it with your swords and your spears, but let it be your prayer and your worship. See, I'll look at it and go, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. They are powerful through, the, through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, God chose David, correct? David was the, from the tribe of Judah. Judah meaning praise. Whenever you look at any Old Testament battle, the first tribe out in front was always Judah. This year, will we send Judah? Will we send out praise? See, I believe that in our generation, we want to, when we go to war, we've got to go to worship. But in our generation, we've flipped it around, we go to war and we forget about our worship. I, I want us to go to worship tonight. I don't want us to go to the fight because I believe that as you start to surrender, as you start to lift up your hands to an almighty God, just like you learnt in your field because you can't fight like you, unless you've taught yourself how to fight in the field, you can't fight in public. Go to God. Get the word of God for yourself. Get Jesus on the moment. Get Jesus for your battles. This year, how was your stance before Jesus? Young person, Older person, where's your worship? See, we have a generation that worships like this. In my day, when I was younger, I didn't have the ability to do this. And my parents taught me to worship like this. We've changed the stance to this. 
put it down and go back to this. But you will not get this in public if you're doing this in your field. Young person, put it down. Put it down and go back to the Holy Spirit. Go back to Jesus. Let him be your number one. Let him be your guide. Let him be your instructor in the field. Let him be the person that hooks you. I was in... um, Mexico this about three weeks ago and in Mexico I've got our ministry does some work down there and we've been working with some human traffickers and the ministry was we've got some ex-pimps that have been in through prison and now on the other side of it and I was sitting down with them and I was asking them tell me your story and some of their story was horrific and it caught me off guard and a little bit surprised and I said can you tell me about when you met Jesus and he goes yeah I can he starts to well up with tears and he's He starts to, in his broken English, he goes, I can't do it without Jesus. I said, tell me about it. And he says, well, I was, one night I got sent to maximum security for something I didn't do. In the cell next to me, I heard a man get killed. He says, the next night they moved me from my private cell to the cell that the man had just been murdered in with the guy who murdered him. And I said, why did that happen? He goes, because the guy wouldn't read to him. I'm like, "Mm." Could he read? He goes, probably not. He goes, but I was taught to read. I went, that's amazing. So what did you do? He goes, they gave me a book. It was called the Biblis. He didn't know what it was called. They just gave him a book and said, read it. And so his field was a prison cell. And he read Matthew. And he read Mark. And he read Luke. It's three, four weeks in. He now gets to John and he goes, Joel, do you understand that in John, I found Jesus? Young person, if you just go back to your word of God, you'll find Jesus. Parents, if you just go back to your Bible, you'll find Jesus in the word of God because they won't do what they won't see. My, my, my children won't read the Word of God if they don't see Dad reading their Bible. <laughs> so I've learned to read my Bible on my kitchen table so they can see me read my Bible. Because otherwise they see me head down in a computer all the time. So I've gone back to an old Bible and I'm marking my, my son's Bible. And I'm th- when he turns 13, I'm giving him my Bible. Why? So he starts to learn that the Word of God is his two-edged sword. That's when he goes to battle, he's ready, that he can read it on his own, that he can take it with him everywhere he goes, that his field is on the kitchen table reading the Word of God, just like those human traffickers, just like those in third world countries, just like those in Lakeland, Florida. So you have to let praise be your weapon of choice. And finally, once you've been found in the field and you've been found in the fight, you will be found in favor. See, we look at David's life and we think, man, we want to be called the man after God's own heart. We want to be called someone that looks like like God. But let me tell you, the more I look at David's life, the more I realize the favor he walked in wasn't just the favor because he was anointed. It was a favor of grace from God. He was anointed for kingship, sure. But when he fought, fell, he, we call, keep calling him the man after God's own heart. 
The reason is because he was found in grace. Tonight, you can be found in that same grace. See, the beauty is that David had to probably go back and do all this stuff to see forgiveness. You and I just have to do one thing and that's say yes to Jesus. We're just going to say yes to the God who sent Jesus into the story so you could no longer have to die for your sin. He sent Jesus, took a beating of a lifetime. He sent Jesus to take a cross he didn't deserve. He sent Jesus so you could find favour. This year, where is Jesus? This year, where is Jesus in your world? Because I believe favour is found in him. Favour is found only in Jesus. You can't get yourself into favour. Only you can get yourself into Jesus. Once you're in Jesus, that's when you'll find favour. See, the favour wasn't found because he was an amazing marksman, although he was. The favour wasn't found because he killed Goliath, although he did. The favour wasn't found because he was anointed by Samuel, although he was. The favour he found from God was because he was found in his field, practising his worship with his harp, practising his slingshot for the, when the fight would arrive. He, see, he was found with the sheep. He went way back to where he was supposed to be. This year, let's not try and fast track God. Let's slow ourselves down a little bit. Let's go back to how it should be where we breathe with Jesus. Where we start to let him speak to us this year. Where we start to hear the voice of God for our every day. Where we start to hear the voice of God to leave a mark in our generation. Where we can start to hear the voice of God that we can start to do what we're called to do this year in your business in your ministry, in your school, let's go back to having the voice of God to help us leave a mark because you can't leave a mark on your own. It's only in Jesus can you leave a mark. See, once you've been found in the field, you've been found in the fight, you'll be found in favour. See, it was nothing David could earn, nothing he could do. It was purely and simply the God he trusted in. My question tonight is, what kind of mark are you leaving? Will it be one of Christ-centered marks, or is it just going to be a mark of self? What kind of worship will you leave them with? Will it be a worship that you took from the field, or is it a worship of yourself? This evening, let me ask you, it starts and has to start in Jesus. And if you haven't got Jesus tonight, I want to ask you the question, where does he stand with you? Where do you stand with him? If you could ask the question, if Jesus was in the room, where is he sitting right now? Is he beside you? Is he on the back row? Is he in the car park? Where is Jesus? Because if he isn't right with you right now, I would suggest you need to come home. I would suggest you need to say yes tonight and come back to the very heart of who he is. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you apart. He wants to start your journey all over again. He wants to make you a new creation. Tonight, to leave your mark, it has to start with Jesus. Tonight, if you want to be found in the fight, it has to start in Jesus. And if you want to ever be found in favor, you want to be found in grace, it starts with Jesus. Victory, can I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads just for one moment before Pastor Blackburn comes up? Can I ask you this question? Where is Jesus tonight?
Is he your Lord and Savior? Is he your number one? Have you said yes to him tonight? Are you forgiven for your sin? Or if I, you're real honest with me tonight saying, Joel, I, the truth is I've missed the mark. I've, I'm not actually living for him. I need to come home. Can I ask you tonight to make that decision? Can I ask you that he could mark you tonight so you can make it leave a mark on this, this society? So when I say three and you're saying, Joel, I need to say yes to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Tonight's the day of, today's the day of salvation. One, he loves you. Two, from the front to the back, the left to the right. When I say three, I'd love you to raise your hand and say, Joel, I'm coming home to Jesus tonight. I want my sins forgiven. One, two, three. Nice and high, quickly, throw it up wherever you are. Say, thank you. Just nice and high, whether you need to come home again tonight. Thank you at the back. Thank you. Let's say this prayer. Victory, can we say this prayer together? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, Victory. Say it. Let's say it with all we've got. Say, Jesus, tonight, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that you died on the cross. You rose again so I could know new life. Tonight, I'm forgiven, set free, starting again. I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you welcome Pastor Wayne Blackburn?